As we look back on this study, verse 9, it says, To be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is um, from God, by faith. And so verse 9 kind of points towards the remainder of this concept of running to win. Look, everything we have, all that we are, all that we will ever be, comes to us because of who we are as believers in Christ. And so we're running this race of faith for him, by him, through him. We can do nothing without him. Amen. But we also have to do our part. And so we have this balancing act that very often people miss and they overemphasize one side or the other. Look, it's all God. But on the other hand, it needs to be all of you as well. Amen? It's not in a vacuum. You don't just wake up one day and become a mature person in Christ. There's some work on our part. There are things that we need to do to accomplish that goal of running to win. And so today as we pick up in, really in verse 14, we're going to press towards that high calling. And so would you pray with me? Let's ask God to speak through his word. Father, again, as we have joined together today as your family in this place, we pray that you'd speak to us. Lord, anoint this time. Uh, illuminate your word for us. Or would it be majestic and powerful? Would it cut through all the stuff in our lives and Father, help us to run and run to win. Lord, help us to be all that we need to be, should be, can be, because of who you are in us. And and Lord, at the same time, we recognize that your grace has saved us. It's your grace that will see us home. And so, Lord, bless the study of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 14 here in Philippians 3. And then press towards... Paul says, I press towards, we press towards, every believer should press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And as you look at that sentence, it's important that you understand exactly the the direction it flows. Look, I have to press on. You have to press on. We have to press on. The church needs to press on. There's part of this that's directly dependent on your effort. I have to press on. It isn't by osmosis that maturing in Christ happens. You will not run a great race unless you put some effort into it. You have to be a part of what God is doing in you. But notice, it's the goal for the prize that is the upward call of God. In other words, it's God that's calling us upward. And so on one hand, your effort. On the other hand, God's grace. Working in concert one with another. It's all him, but at the same time, it takes all of you. And we need to get both sides of the equation. And it only comes because we're in Christ Jesus. Amen? There is no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved. It is at the name of Jesus that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. So it's because of him, and it's for him. But you've got to engage fully. You'll never be great in the kingdom by doing nothing for the kingdom. And at the same time, it's his kingdom. And so we must understand the equation. Verse 15, therefore let us, as many as are mature, 
let us, those of us who've walked with the Lord, those of us who've understood some of the basic principles found in his word, as you come to faith in Christ, you come as a babe, right? We come as a child. We, we say, you know, very often we'll say that someone is a baby Christian. That's, that's an apt description. It really is something that we can actually lay hold of and understand. When you come to faith in Christ, you're just delighted to even be born again. Amen? And so you come to that initial relationship by grace, through faith. It happens instantaneously the moment you believe, and you're adopted into God's family, but you are a baby. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says that you begin to drink milk. That you can't quite take meat yet. In other words, there's deeper spiritual truths. But as a believer, you kind of need milk initially to get by. Just like babies need milk. It's a universal food source for babies. But as you mature, you start growing in a whole bunch of things. You see, to start to explain doctrines of the faith to someone who's just come to faith in the Lord is going to probably confuse them to some degree. Some of the, you know, you start explaining eschatology, the study of last day's things, and you take someone who just came to faith in the Lord and you start telling them about, you know, the millennial kingdom, they're like, huh? But you start to explain the grace of God to them, and then you explain to them that As a child of grace, you're supposed to also be free from that bondage of sin and death. You see, babes can understand that because we know what we used to be. But we don't fully understand what we're going to be. And so Paul says, as many as are mature, he's speaking, in other words, of growing in Christ. Have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. In other words, if you disagree... He's being kind of kind. If you're uh, thinking you have some other take on the matter, it is not so, and God will show it to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and be of the same mind. And so the Apostle Paul helps us to run, to win. And so these two determinative things, this determination that we have to have you know, it'd be, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be wonderful? I, I'm, I'm a basketball freak. I admit it. I love to watch basketball. And yes, I'm a Clippers fan. All you Lakers fans, I'm sorry. You had your day. Kobe's retiring. And I love Kobe. Great player. One of the best all time. But, but when you think about it, You know, for us, wouldn't it be wonderful? Because you've seen them. You know those people. And you you see them at games. And they're complete. Their bodies are painted. They're decorated. They're wearing the colors. they got signs. And they're absolutely nuts about their team. Their their car is is yellow and purple. You know, I mean, it's crazy. They They wear Kobe's shoes. They wear his jersey. And they're walking around everywhere. And they can't play a lick. they got no game. But they put all kinds of effort into something that they're not. Wouldn't it be great if as the body of Christ, we actually put that kind of effort into our relationship with the Lord? 
and actually sought to be the kind of player on the team that we can be? And that's the point here in these few verses. You see, there's two extremes, and we have to avoid both of them. One is, it's all on me. I have to do it all. You have to do it all. We have to do it all. The other extreme is God must do it all. And we have to avoid both. Because God is going to do in you what is his good will and pleasure, but he's not going to do it all for you. He's going to do it in you, but he's not going to do it for you. And you need to get both sides of this. It's very much like in team sports. You don't want to completely ignore the coach and say you can do it yourself, but the coach is not going to play the game. He's not going to take the hit. He cannot shoot. Most basketball coaches are old players. Look, they can't get this eye off the floor. They can tell you how to play still. They can even maybe show you a little bit, but they're not in game shape. You see, the same is true in your relationship with the Lord. We have a heavenly coach. That's God the Father. And he's telling us through his word how to play the game. But you still got to get in and play. So you can't put it all on him. And it's not all on you. We need the coach. Amen? You you watch what's going on right now in the NBA. It's like, man, you can see these little subtleties of a great coach. Resting players. Cutting back on it. You're getting ready for play. They're doing all these things that if the players had their way, they'd be dead. Well, I'm staying in. No, you're not. You're going to rest. I don't want to rest. So you need the coach. You need the player. That's the same picture that we have here. And in these things, avoiding these two extremes. Look, the truth is, without me, you can do nothing. That's that truth of John 15, amen? And God works in us, as we've already seen in chapter 2, that he might work through us, amen? So he has to work in us in order to work out of us, is another way to look at it. If you haven't first become saved, then you can't do anything for God. But once you've become saved, God works in you to work out of you. And so now you're doing these wonderful things that God's enabled you to do. And so we then join God in this great game plan that we find out from the Word of God. As you think on these things, so very often we kind of lean towards one side or the other. The legalist puts most of it on man's side. And the libertine person puts most of it on God's side. And somewhere in the middle is where we need to be. You see, the legalist is over here. Well, you know, I just got to free myself from the bondage of sin. No, you can't free yourself from the bondage of sin. You have to do some fleeing so that the devil will flee also. You need to do some resisting. Yes, that's true. But you're saved by grace and through faith. And so it is not all on you. Matter of fact, the grace is a free gift. It comes from God. And so on that side of the equation, you have God working in you to will and to do that which is his good pleasure. And on the other side, you have you working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's your part. You do yours. We know God will do his. Amen? God is faithful, even when we're faithless. And so God will do his part. But you need to do yours as well. Both parts are essential. And in fact... Nobody becomes saved unless they make a decision to follow Christ. Amen? 
And at the same time, no one can make that decision to follow Christ unless God gives us grace and faith. So they work together. Get this principle. Too many Christians walk in defeat because they put all of it on themselves. Too many Christians walk in defeat because they put it all on God. Well, you know, God's just not changing me, so I'm just going to keep smoking dope. You know, God hasn't made me get out of this relationship that I'm in that I'm not supposed to be in, so I guess it's all on him. No, you need to resist the devil. At the same time, God is helping you resist the devil. He's giving you truth. Avoid both extremes. Brings a question up for us. What are we actually running for? And this is a concept that sometimes I think we miss. Notice what it says in verse 14. The prize of the high or the upward calling that we have of God in Christ Jesus. What are we running for in that sense? You see, some people almost run for worldly accolade. They actually run for the stuff that's here. They, they run for maybe degrees or maybe they run for, you know, well, I'm a pastor. Or, or they run because someone else will come to them for spiritual advice. Some people are running for the wrong reason. We're all running for the prize, that upward call. And what is that? And I want to give you a little, a, a little insight into the way my mind works. I use similes and metaphors and analogies. They're all imperfect, okay? Somebody came to me and was talking to me about one of my analogies. and said, well, you know it isn't perfect. I said, yes, I know it's not perfect. That's because that's me. Make the word the word. So as I use examples and analogies, remember they're human. But in thinking through this process, what are we running for? You see in the Olympic Games, another analogy here, another simile, you would be running for a prize. You'd be running for maybe if you're today, here and now, and you go to the Olympics, you hope to have a gold medal put around your neck. Amen? And by the way, those are actually made out of gold. They're worth about $33,000 a piece. So if you happen to get one, yay, And people run for medals. People run for trophies. People run for all kinds of things. But in here it's very simple. Notice it's the upward call that is the prize. And there are several ways to look at this. And I want to just illuminate them very briefly for you. You you see the upward call for you and I. You can't have the upward call unless you've first been called. Amen? Amen. Unless you're a child of God, you're not going to get the rest of the package, which is up. You have to be first saved in order to be in the game. So you have to be on the right team as a way to look at that. The right team is God's beloved, his adopted family, those of us that have been drawn near by the blood of the Lamb. And so that upward call starts there. It it, it continues, and no matter how successful we are, In the eyes of men, we can't be rewarded unless we take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of us. So we've got to get in the game. That's the first part of the upward call. 
we also have to look at the, the lack of the identification specifically of the prizes. What's God trying to say to us? He's trying to keep us in the game. And so in that sense, this word that's translated heavenly, if you look at it, it means upward, drawn upward. And so what's upward? Glory is upward, amen? So the prize we're running for is not here. It's not wealth. It's not the removal of every one of life's problems. It's not every relationship will get healed. It's not freedom from every kind of disease. It's none of the earthly things. It's an upward thing that we're running for. In the Greek games, it was a silly wreath made out of laurel leaves. I mean, that kind of stinks, doesn't it? At least you could get an in-and-out coupon or something with it, you know. But, you know, people would run literally to be identified as a winner. It was just simply an identification. You got nothing other than the wreath. While you're here, you may get nothing. Because the prize isn't here. It's up there. It's the upward call. That's where the prize is. And in fact, Paul would give us some further insight. 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians all tell us uh, of this day. The book of Romans in Romans chapter 14 reminds us of this incredible day when one day we're all going to stand before the Bema seat. The Bema seat judgment is not to be judged whether you're saved or not. That happened while you were here. The fact that you'll ever get to it means you already are his child. But one day, you're going to be called upward. And then you're going to stand before the judgment seat of God and be rewarded for those things which have been done in the body. What you did here for him, how you ran, is a way to look at it. Where'd you finish? Not that you did finish, but where did you finish? You're going to finish because of Jesus, amen? Everybody's going to finish. You're going to get home. The question is, where along the line will you be? How many crowns are you going to have? What did you do while you were here with what you have for the king? You see, some people are just going to finish. And some people are going to be dragging around a huge amount of reward because of the things that they've done in the body while they've been here working their own salvation here on this earth. It's a beautiful thing, and you can think about it. Think about those that right now are in harm's way for their faith in the Middle East. And they're still sharing Christ. I guarantee you there's going to be a stack of crowns for those type of people. For the people who consistently, you don't even know them. You've never even seen them. People in this church that have been serving in children's ministry for 20 years. Faithfully, every single service, sharing Jesus with our little ones. There's going to be a stack of crowns for running really, really, really well when God calls them upward. And so that heavenly reward is what we're running for. Not an earthly, not recognition. Too many people run the way the world runs for recognition. But we run because one day Jesus is going to say, well done, enter in, good and faithful servant. It's heavenward. Look, how you get there, That's on Jesus. Remember the two sides? You get there because of the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from all unrighteousness, made you holy. His righteousness has been put upon you as a believer. You're going to get there because of that. But when you get there, what did you do while you were still here? 
It won't be so you can get there. It'll be because you were here in him that you run. And then you're going to get called home. Can I remind you of this? (laughs) The race is long. Amen? It, It is long. It's the race of life. And you're going to run it from day one to the very day when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ are raised. Amen? I can't wait. You know, we're running every day. You know, one of the strange things is being a distance runner all throughout uh, my high school years and then uh, into my early adulthood. Connie and I actually used to run 10Ks together. And, and when you're in that type of shape, we used to run 80 to 100 miles a week. Be out there pounding the road, you know? And you get in that type of shape and you just keep running and running. But there are some things that happen when you run long distance. Lactic acid begins to build up in your muscles and you get that soreness and you hit what we call the wall. You're out there about three, four miles from the start and all of a sudden your legs feel like lead. They almost will not go one in front of the other, but you push through that. And then all of a sudden you get what we call catching stride. And all of a sudden your stride lengthens out and that lactic acid has been suppressed as your body builds up endorphins. And all of a sudden your stride gets longer, it gets quicker, it just seems like your feet just go one right out in front of another. That's what happens as a distance runner. That's how you get good at it. You push through pain. Here in this world, we have to push through through pain. There are times in our lives where we're running hard, but you hit that wall. You hit the wall of maybe a job. You hit the wall maybe in marriage, in child rearing. Maybe you hit the wall like we all are hitting the wall right now in our country. The the country's a mess. It's like this insurmountable wall that we're all bumping into. But we have to press on. Paul says, press on. It's the picture. you got to push through. You need to keep going. And then all of a sudden, I can tell you as someone who's walked with the Lord for a long time, your stride gets a little longer. I remember once I got so close to breaking five minutes in a mile. Best mile ever, 5.07. Never. Five, seven lousy seconds. Could never get underneath. I'd run 507 to 510 very consistently. That's fast. It's very quick. But you know what? All of us can run quicker for the Lord. Why? Because He works in us to work out of us. And so as you begin to do those things, I ask you some questions. What kind of race are you running for Christ? Are you working out 100 miles a week? Are you getting out there? I'll tell you what, it is no great wondrous thing to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, put on your running shoes, and go running out on the road where you're going to get run over. You have to determine in and of yourself that you are going to run. And then that strength of who you are as a runner kicks in. And then that strength of who you are as a runner in Christ kicks in. The principle is very similar. What that does is give us a right view of things. 
We all should be pressing on towards that goal. Every last, therefore, notice what it says, verse 15, let us, as many as are mature, those of us who have been running for a while, driving your chariot for a while, have this mind. We ought to be pressing on. We ought to be trying harder. I've been in a lot of race situations. I have watched people crawl across finish lines. I myself have had to walk. I outran myself the first several miles of a race at Mount Sac. My legs were gone, and I almost walked in the end of the race. But I was still racing. Are you running? You've got to have the right view. You, you see, you can't gain perfection. You will not get better unless you test yourself. In your spiritual life, you're not going to become great Unless you test yourself. You need to challenge yourself a little bit. And you could use any sport that you want. You, can use, you could use being a seamstress. You, you could use being an artist. It wouldn't matter what thing that you would throw in there as the point of analogy. You do not get better unless you use what you already have. Amen? You have to use what you've got in order to get any better. If you want to go somewhere, you have to take what you have and build on it, work on it. And so we have to put our effort in to what God is already at work doing. It's this incredible uh, picture. And to that end, can I just say to you, Paul's given us a a little bit of a view here of some things that were uh, a problem, specifically one thing, and that was spiritual superiority. You know, sometimes... People look at pastors, they look at those in leadership, and they go, wow, they've already arrived. If there's anything you need to finish well, it's called humility. Because all of us can run better, and all of us can run worse. Every one of us is capable of more, and we can all do less as well. And it is the Lord that works us through that process. You don't become great at anything unless you've had some failures along the way. Amen? For those of you who have never surfed, the first time you drop in on a wave that's double overhead, you're thinking, oh dear God, what have I done? You watch it on TV and somebody, you know, you get a guy like Laird Hamilton who's, you know, surfs these giant waves like a Jaws off the coast of Maui, and he drops in on a 50 or 60 foot wave. That's a wave that's three times the height of this building. You don't do that on your first time paddling out, okay? Unless you just have a death wish. You see how all these analogies help you understand that you, you kind of have to work your way up so you go out there with your little sponge board and you play in the surf, the shore break. And, you, and okay, I can stand up now. You have to have the right view of things. You need to see it correctly. And don't think you're better than you are, because the first time you get pitched, the first time you blow out a knee, you're going to realize that you're just human. So we shouldn't be superior in any way, shape, or form. We should all be looking at our own lives as, man, I'm just humbled to be in the race at all. And to that end, look, running running to win doesn't mean you're perfect. Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, Amen. If you walk with the Lord... You know that this is true. We're going to be perfect when we get there to get the reward. Amen?
Then we'll be perfect. In the meantime, not so much. We got work to do, all of us, every one of us. Sometimes we get in the race and we don't do as well as we think we should do and we get discouraged. We get drained. We get beat up. Sometimes it's because we're being disobedient. We're not going to run perfect while we're here. But if you're maturing, you get better. You don't fall for the same tactic of the enemy over and over and over and over again. You see, don't let the enemy beat you up. You need to, brothers and sisters, in Jesus' name, preach grace to yourself. We're good at giving grace to other people, some of us. You need to remember you need grace too. You haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. There's always room for improvement. Preach grace to yourself. Because he is a God of grace. And then the next time, give it a little better effort. Put in a little more. Be able to say, having done all to stand, I have stood therefore. You see, sometimes we put too much on us. And then finally to close, if you want to run to win, you're going to need some some discipline. At times, radical discipline. Paul says, by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. It means to march in, to walk in, to look at the rule book and say, that's how I want to run. To illustrate that for you, a great story comes from the 1912 Olympics. Probably many of you may remember the story, may have read it at some point in time. It's the story of Jim Thorpe, this incredible athlete. You know, to, to win the decathlon is one thing, but to win the decathlon and the pentathlon in the same Olympic Games, that's nuts. That's insane. Can't even imagine. And he did that, but he was disqualified. And he lost his medals. Why? Because he played semi-professional baseball. And that was at a time where if you had any, had ever played any, you'd been paid in any way for playing any kind of sport, you were disqualified. A very simple rule. And so his medals were taken from him. They were reinstated in 1985, by the way. As well they should have been, because virtually every athlete now is a professional athlete. But the point is this. There is a rule book. And it takes discipline to follow the rules. Because you're going to have to die to self. You're going to have to pick up your own cross. You're going to need to follow him. That's what being a disciple actually is. It's a follower of Christ. So you have to have some discipline. And you have to run hard. And then you let God do the work. You let him coach you. Let him push you on. And if we'll do that, we run to win. And we will see and we'll hear and we'll experience that one day, that upward call to the, to the judgment seat where we're going to be rewarded for the effort that we put in while we're here. You may not get rewarded while you're here. I may bum some of you out, but you're, you may not see a reward while you're here. At least you may not experience what you would think would be some good things from God while you're here. Well-intentioned, great people who love the Lord suffer horribly on this earth at times. You may not get rewarded here, but I guarantee you, if you'll put in the work, do the time, 
run hard and play by the rules, you absolutely are going to be rewarded when you get there. Amen? So let's run to win. Would you stand? And let's pray. Father, thank you for taking us, Lord, a a misfit, ragtag band for sure. Lord, we're we're not the best at anything, but we want to be dedicated and we want to run hard, Lord, while we're here. We want to put in the effort. We want to play by the rules. And so, God, would you work in us both to will and to do that which is your good pleasure. We thank you for the work of grace, Lord, as you've given us that great gift. God, would we use that gift for your glory? Would the grace that you've poured into us be poured out of us? And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you even led us on your team in the first place. Lord, that's an amazement by itself. We look forward to that day when you call us home, but until then, would we be found working out, keeping in shape, Lord, being the best team player that we possibly can, knowing that one day we're going to be rewarded when we get to heaven. We love you, we praise you, we bless you, we ask all this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.